Welcome to a Joyful Pause podcast. I'm so happy to be here today with my good friend, Denise Alston. Hi, Denise. Hi, Nicole. Good to talk to you. Good to speak with you, too. So um, Denise is a RYT 500. She has been teaching yoga for how long now, Denise? Um, 17 years. 17 years. Awesome. Um, Denise applies her yoga, Ayurveda, and transformation knowledge and skills to enrich and enhance the lives of her clients. She is committed to helping her clients make their greatest contribution to the world. Denise has a PhD in social psychology, and I know Denise from meeting her through the Para Yoga community, in which we um, met. I feel like it has to have been 10 years ago by now. Easily, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instant kindred spirit, which I yeah. love. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for agreeing to be my first guest on this podcast. I am very excited about that. <laughs> awesome. So let's get right to it. I recorded an intro podcast that basically says what we're up to. And what we're up to is talking about how we can bring our spiritual practice to help ourselves and others meet this moment that we're at. Um, I just want to remind listeners that we are really just in a sense of inquiry together. So this is about asking and contending with the questions. Um, we're not trying to give anyone answers. We're just letting you have a listen into our exploration. So Denise, my first question is about your spiritual worldview and how it helps you to make sense or meaning out of the worlds that we live in right now. And I want to, in case someone's listening to this at a later time, the world we're living in right now is with America facing into its history of systemic racism and the way that um, white supremacist values have kind of been integrated into all of the systems in America. And so with that being said, um, how are you making sense of this spiritually? Thanks, Nicole. Um, and I want to just say that this facing white supremacy and systemic racism is happening in the midst of a global pandemic. Mm. So this is a super unique time in our human history. And um, one thing that strikes me about all this spiritually and emotionally is that we in the United States are not the only ones who are pushing back on these systemic uh, boundaries. We've got protesters in the streets around Europe and India and all over the place kind of sharing the same urgency about um, how can people of all colors be treated well and uh, more equitably. Um, so my spiritual worldview, well, I, um, I believe that for all of these things that are happening, everything happens for a purpose. That's probably like my bottom line on everything. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, there's no accident that all this is happening. It's not a random event. Um, it's not so much like it's predetermined in some big willful way, but when um, our spirits are clouded by impurities, by doubt, fear, hatred, 
um, uncertainty, uh, lack of generosity, scarcity. Uh, and I, when I say our spirits are individual spirits, as well as our collective spirits, as well as our humanity spirit, then um, I believe that the, the great divinity, however you want to call it, has an intention to help us clear away those impurities, to scrape them away, to clear them out, so that we are natural, divine-given brilliance can shine. So here we are in a globe uh, that's plagued by global warming and pollution of the planet and the suppression of the human spirit through structural racism and other kinds of divisions that's all the impurities clouding our collective spirit. And we are at a time where we're getting the opportunity to kind of scrape those away and shine forth more brilliantly. That's kind of the big picture look that I have at everything that's going on right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm appreciating how you're seeing it as an opportunity to cleanse that which keeps us from our innate ability to shine individually and collectively. And what I love about that is racism does not, racism hurts everyone. Yes. It, right now we're seeing the huge impact that it's had on the black community and that cannot go um without being stated and seen and acknowledged and accepted that that is what that is what has been created um but when we're thinking about humanity as this web that's connected then it everyone who has stewed in that which is all of us is harmed by it because it's creating separation right and not only is it creating separation but it's also adding to the delusion of uh of white people and people in power um when i these days as i'm sure you are you know we have our white allies who are reaching out and um sharing in our pain and I when I get those expressions of concern or apology or however they might show up I appreciate them but I always have to say back to them like we have the the symptoms if you will of the disease of systemic racism but y'all are suffering from the illness so it's, yeah, you know, I appreciate your apology, but it's really important. And it's really important for you to recognize that you and the people who identify with you as white are suffering from a really pernicious disease, which is a sense of white privilege and uh, benefiting from white supremacy 
and um, and not confronting the the outcomes and the consequences of racism. So we're all sick. We're all suffering, mm -hmm. and we all need a healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that time, uh, that time is now. So, we have an opportunity. And that's why you know I'm encouraged by I'm encouraged by people not turning their faces away from what's going on, but um, but seeing that they have a part in it and that they have a role in it, seeing all the diversity in the the protesters among the protesters is very heartening because it's it it shows me that people are appreciating the fact that we are in this interconnected web like you said and that what hurts one of us will hurts all of us and none of us can be free if one of us is oppressed so um so that that's encouraging so how do that that's kind of that's my worldview <laughs> that's how it uh <laughs> that's how i'm absorbing all of this and and yeah and like you like you keep saying there and i agree with you this is an amazing opportunity for us to move our whole humanity forward towards a brighter, more uh, spiritual, more luminescent, if you will, future where more and more people can uh, work together to lift everybody up. I mean, if we could really put a dent in racism, imagine how we could work together to to deal with issues like the climate and food shortages and mm -hmm. filthy water and et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's keeping us all back. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, for the sake of the spiritual elevation of everyone, this is one of those things that has to go in the dustbin of history. It's like, so 20th century, like, Oh my God, let's move on. We're in the 21st now. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm appreciating how you kind of are bridging both your, your spiritual worldview and then bringing that into like what's happening, like the manifest world and, and the, the actions that we all need to be taking to, to really help create an anti-racist society. And it made me wonder about how, how is your practice supporting you right now? Because I mean, these last couple of weeks emotionally, I don't know about for you, but I have felt like, you know, decades of racial pain that I suppress in order to get through the day and to do what I need to do in the world um, has really just kind of popped up and all of this pain around um inequality and examples of being treated in a way that was less than because of the color of my skin, like things I haven't thought about in years have been coming up. And so I just wonder like, is that A, is that happening for you? And then B, how's your spiritual practice supporting you in what feels like digesting some things that maybe we just never had time to? Yeah, yeah, totally. I um. I have noticed in the last couple of weeks that I'm, you know, I think I'm having a great day. I go out for a nice walk. And particularly a couple of weeks ago at the beginning of the protests, 
-hmm. when, you know, it was like everywhere. Um, I live in a very uh, homogeneous towards white community. And um, I'm walking down the street and one of the elderly gentlemen in my community, you know, waved at me, somebody I'd never met <laughs> and said, hi, you know, how are you doing? And it wasn't just like, hey, how you doing? But it just felt like he really wanted to know how I was doing with all of this. And um, I was really surprised because all of this pain came up and I almost broke into tears. You know, I just kind of waved and said, hey, how you doing? And kept walking. But I was choked up. I thought, oh, my gosh, I am in I am in so much more pain than I than I realized. And um, and then, you know, in talking with friends, you know, I have like a weekly happy hour because we're in quarantine. So we meet on Zoom with uh, five black female friends. And, you know, we're angry. <laughs> you know, we try to get together and try to be light. But we just, you know, spent a lot of the time just very, very angry and disturbed. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's right there on the surface of my skin and, um, and yes, yeah, some of those memories from, oh, oh, and well, they, things come up when I, I feel compelled sometimes to share some of these experiences with my white friends and they're appalled and it's like, yeah, you know, this has been my life, you know, and, uh, and it's not been a constant thing, but it's something that has recurred, you know, kind of showing up here, showing up at college, showing up there, showing up at work, showing, you know, all these different mm -hmm. places. So how do I manage all that? Well, two major paths for me. One path, of course, is the path of yoga and meditation. And uh, it's extremely helpful to be able to sit, you know, to move my body, get out of my head, manage my feelings with you know, gentle movements and focused attention uh, uh, on my breath and on my body and kind of holding myself steady, you know, in this unsteady world, holding myself steady in asana poses mm -hmm. and then being able to sit in meditation and know that I can step into a space um, through breath and concentration uh, that allows me to kind of step away from this world, if you will, <laughs> and step mm -hmm. into that um, uh, kind of that ideal space inside of me, that uh, higher consciousness space that we're all held in good, bad, and ugly. We're all held in there together, mm -hmm. but, um, but it's transcendent. You know, and so to be able to step into that space is uh, very, very powerful for me. It may only last 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. But in that time, I feel safe, secure, cared for um, and and dwelling in a space where all these things are left behind. And it, and it gives me rather than kind of taking me out of the struggle, if you will, it gives me strength so I can step back into the struggle. I can be more clear-minded. I can share my thoughts. I can do my research. I can, um, you know, be able to digest, like you said, 
uh, be able to digest all that's coming in at me in a way that um, uh, that I can manage that doesn't disrupt me but just makes me stronger and clearer so that I can help others because there's I mean I have clients who are going through all different kinds of hell and they need me to be clear and focused so I can stand with them and beside them and help to bring them along so I'm not I'm not in here all by myself mm-hmm. uh, as well as family members um, my other path is um, a path of wisdom that um, gives me this this analysis about the cleansing and the purification and the, the cloudiness of our spirits and uh, my my prayers inside of that tradition uh, are all about turning towards the light and lifting me up and praying for everybody involved praying for the folks I don't like you know mm-hmm. um, praying for the people who are taking these actions, praying for their souls, praying for the souls of the folks who've passed away, praying for our leaders at all levels. Um, everybody needs to awaken to the divine's purpose for them. Uh, and uh, and so I feel I feel like it's my responsibility to be able to kind of take a step up, if you will, and take the long view and the broad view and, and, and make that prayer that can help to elevate everybody. So those, that's how I manage. <laughs> I love that. I love this idea of your practice being this well that you can draw from that both gives you that direct experience of consciousness that runs through all of us but that also fortifies you for the work that you have to do in in this on in the daily you know um and that that is like i just wanted to pause on that because that feels like embodiment to me where it's not like you're over there and you're just staying there and checked out on what's happening in the world. It's like, no, let me go to this well to fortify myself to remember that I'm spirit having a human experience. And then let me take the nourishment that I got there and bring that to bear on these changes that we're going through. Right. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, it does me nor my clients any good if I get on a session with them and I'm just as ticked off and upset as they are, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, that feels that would feed their distress and their sense of anxiety and, and lack of control. Um, but instead, for me to be able to uh, empathize with it, you know, I know where they're coming from, but I also my my goal is to. Um, help them put the challenges that they have right in front of them in perspective in a in a in a medium-sized perspective in terms of just their lives as well as a bigger perspective that uh we we do have the capacity to get through this and get to a a new side Mm -hmm. i don't know what that other side looks like but to get to uh 
a new side. <laughs> you know, I hate it when people say, oh, we got to get back to normal. I so don't want to get back to normal. That normal was not working for lots and lots of people. I want to get to a new normal, a normal that works for people in their health care, um, for everybody who needs health care, uh, a, a normal that works for people and they're uh, trying to support their families. Um, a normal that uh, helps people be able to just be in the world safely. I mean, I oh, I don't want to rant. I was going to just rant about <laughs> smacking my head about here we are in a global pandemic and the cops are still killing black men on the street and yeah. black women. Come on. You yeah. know, we're in yeah. a big global emergency. You can't set aside your hatred for like 90 freaking days and yeah. see the other person as a compassion, you know, with compassion. <sighs> calm down, yeah. calm down, calm down. <laughs> no, that's righteous anger, girl. Um, <laughs> but I want to circle back to something else that you said that I want to make sure we highlight too is um, from the second part of your practice, um, this idea of praying for and um, and holding space for for those who um, are not behaving in a way that's of service to humanity, like this idea that that they are part of the same consciousness. We don't like the way that they're choosing to use it, but it doesn't mean that they are outside of that same consciousness. And so I love the idea. That's something I'm going to ponder. I don't know that I will start doing that, but I love the idea of it, that like, oh, you could choose to, I don't think I consciously keep anyone out of my prayers, but I also want to admit that it never occurred to me to consciously send energy to folks who are not showing up in a way that that I think is of service and that 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 energy um, that some positive energy going toward them could actually yeah oh be yeah. Of service. Because, yes, absolutely, because positive energy going towards anybody can be of service. I mean, we have access to the tremendous energy of the uh, cosmos, you know, all that, uh, what do they call that, dark matter that's out there mm -hmm. in between the planets is actually energy that we can transmit and that we can capture and transmit and use to purify others. And so with that in mind, everybody is worthy of those who, of that, of receiving that kind of energy and, and, and those who we might perceive as being the less, least illuminated need it more than others. <laughs> and mm -hmm. may, they might need it the most. Um, yeah. uh, another way to think about that or another way that, uh, I think about it in my practice, which um, which originates out of Japan, but it's all over the world now, called Sukiyo Mahikari, um, which is all about uh, raising everybody up to a high spiritual level. And 
And so, yeah, I mean, at once, at least, at least last year, I was thinking about like leading up to my birthday to like invite all of my yogi and meditating friends to do a uh, meta meditation on behalf mm -hmm. of the president of the United States. I mean, that's a person who's engulfed in negative energy. And, but if, if he were getting positive energy shifted towards him rather than all the anger and resentment and fury, I mean, you know, we know in Ayurveda, right? Like attracts light. So uh, we're sending anger and fury at someone who's filled with anger and fury. Maybe not. Maybe what should be directed is just the opposite. And that that could actually possibly shift. I can't guarantee, but it could actually shift things. It could, bottom line, it shifts the energy around us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I, you know, I don't want this to seem like, a uh, a bypass around the realities of who people are and, and how they behave. But if we don't believe in transformation, if we spiritual people don't believe in transformation, then nobody's going to believe in transformation, you know? So, yeah, and I, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I also don't hear you saying that's the only thing you're like yeah get out there and send some good energy to people that may not be acting in a way that you um agree with and also vote and oh also resist protest. And, oh yeah, yeah. resist like <laughs> so crazy capital re capital this yes yeah. uh and and critique and yeah. inform and do everything else you know that you're supposed to do and hold that you know, I don't know, this is, this could be too woo-woo, even for you, Nicole, but, um, girl, you know, I'm woo though, <laughs> but one could make an argument that these, that this all is serving a function to shake us up and wake us up and move us out of the complacency that we've been in for the last umpteen years. You know, I mean, sometimes in this country, I've learned after seeing one president that I thought was the Antichrist follow another president that I thought was the Antichrist, you know, um, till, you know, it's like, wow, how low can we go? Well, we found out. Um, and, and, and we thought we were pretty low, you know, a few leaders ago, but it wasn't low enough. Because we didn't really change things. Here we are dealing with police brutality again. You know, listen to Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. That's like the 1970. I grad, that's the year I graduated from high school. That's 50 years ago. He's singing What's Going On and talking about police brutality. So obviously, whatever else we've been through the last 50 years hasn't been enough to wake us up about this. So mm -hmm. here's an environment that's slapping everybody in the face and making us wake up. Hopefully, oh my God, if this, if I'm proven wrong on this one, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, but, you know, so serving a purpose to shake us up, get us out of our complacency and say, no more. This is enough. Not another day. 
and um, and start us moving towards uh, uh, a civilization here on Earth that reflects more of the civilization in the divine world. So Ooh, yeah, that is a great segue to my next question, which is how how do you understand equality through a spiritual lens? Oh boy, your questions are so easy, Nicole. Um, Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy. Well, you know, there's a, a concept inside of my spiritual worldview about the perfect, imperfect perfection. Um, there could be like this equal, unequal equality. Um, the difference among us is what keeps everything moving at all. Um, so, uh, I, I like to think about equity more than I like to think about equality. Okay. I, equitable to me, um, allows for diversity. Mm -hmm. So everybody's not going to have the exact same. But everybody's going to be have equitable access to the things that they need in order to lead a life that ennobles them. Mm -hmm. And so um, when you look across the country or you look across the globe, you see people in all different kinds of lifestyles and experiences and all and I would like to see everyone have an equitable access and opportunity to be able, like I say, to live a life that ennobles them. So they're not worrying about whether they can eat. They're not worrying about whether they can get health care. Mm -hmm. um, they're not worried about whether or not they can get an adequate education so that they can pursue their dreams. Um, that they have an experience in their lives so that they can cultivate dreams. Um, mm -hmm. So that that's what I see. So my my sense of an answer to that question is about equity, and that it's not all going to look the same, but that it's but it's our inalienable right as human beings, as children of the divine, as a as a part of the divine spirit to live in a way that um, ennobles that spirit. Yes. Oh, I love that. Children of the divine living in a way that ennobles the spirit that we are. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Thanks. I've never said that before. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to generate that. Oh, thank you. I felt like it was a blessing. It made me feel really um, quiet inside. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's almost like in the space in this room that I'm recording in. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, so I feel like my other question is the other side of that, but I, I still want to ask it because I'm curious you know, it's very easy to see the impact 
of racism in daily life and in our systems. Um, but I wonder how you understand racism if you're looking at it through a spiritual lens, which wouldn't exist there, but I mean more like what is the disconnect spiritually? I think that's a better question. What is the disconnect spiritually that allows racism to flourish? Ah. Uh... Fear, you know, it's only, we're all only about fear and love, right? So um, I see racism primarily as a function of fear. Uh, it was always used by the, 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 like the economic powers that be from their fear of, you know, I think about this country. Um, and, oh, God, I could go all the way back to the 1400s, but I won't. Uh, let's just deal with this country. In like I was like, is she going to go to Bacon's Rebellion? Where is she going with this? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, you know, you can look back in the history of this country on, in, on this land, and time after time you hear those stories about black and white working class people, workers, work laborers working together, and then some owner, you all, almost always a white owner of property, um, coming along and splitting up the blacks from the whites, the black laborers from the white laborers, and using racism to do that. And the fear that I talk of speak of I mean it's like the fear greed kind of thing it's like the fear that they're not going to have enough talk about a, a, a profound sense of scarcity you know um, even now people making 30 million dollars a year have a profound sense of scarcity because mm -hmm. there's all you know there's no such thing as enough profit so they will you know send factories away they'll discriminate against people they'll undermine all kinds of structures that would support uh, people uh, you know working class people and people of color uh, so that they could make sure that they got their 30 million dollars every year um, so yeah so uh, greed fear scarcity all of those kinds of mindsets are what uh, fuel racism in my mind and um, and and those of us who stand inside a spirit are, we value love more. Mm -hmm. We value love over fear. So, you know, I don't know, this is not the most articulate answer to your question, but um, I, um, but when I, yeah, when I characterize racism as a function of fear, then it, it kind of, it, 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 it fits into an understanding of spirit that is all about the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. And the fear is actually, it sounds like you're saying that the fear is actually about losing power. Yeah. Losing power, losing resources, you know, whatever 
whatever that power, however that power is manifested, control, mm -hmm. resources, you know, it looks like land, it looks mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, all, all of those things, yeah, and mm -hmm. yeah, that just boggles my mind that we haven't, we haven't gotten beyond that sense of scarcity, you know, like there's not enough to go around. Well, like there is, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, there really is. Yeah. If you don't want too much. Mm -hmm. And if, yeah, and, and if you don't, and if you don't hold, here's the spiritual part. If you don't hold that, we all are all part of that web. You know, if you don't recognize the humanity of big clumps of people, and really they don't recognize the, you know, the corporate powers don't recognize the humanity of working class whites either. Um, so if you don't hold the humanity that everyone fits into that web of humanity, then it's easy for you to ignore um and and exploit those things that put them at a disadvantage. And yeah. so yeah, so right. And that brings me back to practice of you know, it doesn't I'm not advocating for any particular practice, but I am advocating for practices that give you the felt sense of that web of humanity so that when you are interacting with other people, when you're interacting with these systems that we've created to keep oppressing people, you feel that, hey, wait a minute, this is not right. You can feel that. Yes. You can feel that in your bones and your skin and your breath. Um, and so I think that, you know, I don't think that there's one way for us to heal this. It will take healing at so many different levels through so many different actions, but I very much believe that each person finding a way that works for them to reconnect with that web and to have the, the lived experience of it. It feels to me like that has to be a component of our collective healing. Yes, I love that. Absolutely. That has it for me. And yes, you can find it in different places. I mean, in all, and I think in all the spiritual paths that exist on the planet right now, if you go to their essence, mm -hmm. you will find those teachings and those values of us all being brothers and sisters, all part of the same web, all we are part of the human consciousness, you know, whatever. It's called lots of different things, but it all means the same thing. And, you know, it's just gotten lost because some of those paths have gotten corrupted and co-opted by mm -hmm. the quest for power. Mm -hmm. So that's my last question. Just wanting to leave each other and this conversation on a note of upliftment. Dream with me about what collective liberation looks like to you. Oh, wow. Another easy question. <laughs> You're killing me, Nicole. Um, gosh, wow. Yeah, I'm glad you started that out with a dream with me. 
Yeah. Well, you know, it would be wonderful if we could all on our various paths kind of go back to our origins, you know, the origins of our faith and our beliefs and our, our spiritual paths to um, touch and harmonize with the original teachings because I really do believe that they all the origin of all of those things are one and um, and the diversity and, and language if you will doesn't dilute the message uh, I don't know how we get back to that origin but um, but that's what I would love to see, like across the board for all paths, is to like bring their flocks back to their original teachings and really, really study, really get close, really, you know, get to the essence of them so that we can get back to that essential truth that we're all one. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that it's like, yeah, because there's so much diversity in the world. There's not going to be a single message for everybody. But And we wouldn't even want it to be. Like, you know, all of these different expressions of that truth are so beautiful in their own way. And, um, yeah, the idea of whatever that expression is being powerful enough and clean enough clean meaning removed from desire for power and in that way of power over, um, you know, bringing people back to that felt experience. That is, that's wonderful. That's a wonderful wish. Yeah. Yeah. That would be my prayer. So, well, I'm feeling better. <laughs> <laughs> I love speaking with you as usual. Um, thank you so much for your wisdom and your patience and struggling with, you know, it's, these are tough questions that I think we'll be asking ourselves and revisiting, you know, for a long time. And so this is just this one point of time. This is what we can express. And a year from now, based on our own deepening of practice, we may, we might see it very differently. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing, you know, check with me in a year and see, you know, how I'm doing. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, this, this for me has been a joyful pause and my struggle and my thinking to be able to express in a, in a heartfelt way, what's, it's been kind of noodling around in my mind and my heart. I appreciate this opportunity, Nicole. Mm, thank you. Um, so great. If folks want to learn more about Denise or, or receive some coaching from Denise, um, you can find her online at spiritfirstyoga.com. That's spirit1styoga.com. And that has Denise's um, contact information and um, if you're interested in learning more about the book, A Joyful Pause, you can go to ajoyfulpause.com and learn more about the book. Uh, thank you so much, Denise, for being with me today. And thank you, listeners, for 
uh, taking this time out of your day to explore with us. Be well. Thank you.